Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Jamie D and Big Newt. We are so happy that you are joining us for opening week. Yes, that's right. The Bills are going to be playing these Pittsburgh Steelers on Sunday. And this is when doing the podcast gets really fun. And I hope that you guys, the listeners, are as fired up as we are. I'm Jamie D'Amico. He is Big Chris Newton. How are you, big man? Woo! It's game week, man. And you like, man, why you being so loud? I'm loud because the kids in school. My wife went to the went back to the office. I got the house to myself so I could really hang out. See, usually when we when we tape it, I gotta be respectful. I gotta be quiet. Kids doing their homework. Even when I came to your house to record, your lovely wife was upstairs working and then she doing doing her yogas and Pilates. I didn't want to really get out of hand, but now I'm fired up. I got the house to myself. <laughs> I'm getting loud. And so also it's getting cooler outside. You know, that's big new weather, man. It was 80 degrees this weekend. I loved it, man. I was outside. I was barbecuing and stuff on the grill, throwing the football outside all day with Jalen and watching college football, man. I loved it. Woo! Everything's coming up Millhouse. I love <laughs> if you're it, a Simpsons fan. Uh, yep. So today we are going to talk about that Steelers game that's coming up. We're also going to talk about the players on the Bills that we think are going to bust out this season and have a great year, as well as talk about the players that have their back up against the wall in a do-or-die sort of situation. So before we get moving on that, I've got to ask, this past weekend was the was the college football kickoff. I know that's your thing. How are you feeling, big man? Man, I I loved it, man. It's almost like Christmas in the summertime, dude. It was a good slate of games. Started off with college game day. You know what I'm saying? I love the pageantry. I love the enthusiasm around college. And it was a slate of good games. It started on Thursday with Ohio State over Minnesota. That was a good game. Then Friday night, Virginia Tech upset number 10 UNC down in Blacksburg. And, mm-hmm. and, and the stadium was packed. It was good to see all the kids. You know, the leaves are starting to come and everything. So it's a beautiful sight down in Blacksburg. And then uh, Saturday was uh, number one Bama over Miami, which was a a laugher because Bama, once again, they uh, routed Miami. Miami always think the Canes are back and they got beat by 30. Um, Oklahoma uh, versus Tulane, that game was moved from New Orleans because of the hurricane. So, They moved it to Oklahoma, and that was a good game. Tulane fought to the end. It came down to um, an onside kick, and then they weren't able to score. And so uh, after that, you had the game of the night was number five, Georgia, uh, upset number three, Clemson. Um, Once again, it was a beautiful night. Went over some friends' house, ate outside, had beer, had s'mores. Beautiful evening, about 60 degrees, no bugs. That's Newt's weather. And then uh, Montana upset number 20, Washington. And then the best game of the weekend, my Irish, number nine, Notre Dame, beat Florida State in overtime. Came down to a kick in overtime. So um, it was a great slate of games, man. I loved it. So I got a question for you. Did you watch any of the games? No. Okay. So I, uh, I paid attention on Twitter. I saw clips. Uh, saw some highlights, some lowlights, and, um, you know, found some uh, interesting quotes from, let's say, specific coaches that are out there that caught heat for it. Uh, but no, I, I didn't. I'm a much bigger pro fan than I am college. The thing is, I, I wish I was a bigger college fan because it just seems like such a different, a, a pure kind of sport. And the other thing is, Watching games on Saturdays is a lot more fun to me because you still have a full next day 
uh, as opposed to, you know, getting back to school or work or whatever it is the next day if you're watching on Sundays. Are you talking about the quote of Brian Kelly saying he was going to execute his players? Are you talking about that quote? That's the one. <laughs> he Man, may, maybe he could have chosen his words a little more wisely. He could. He could. Obviously, he wasn't meaning he was going to execute his players. I think he meant that we need to execute better, and he just used the word as, you know, the other uh, meaning to where we're going to actually kill our players. No, he's not going to kill a player. No, no, he's not. Um, um, and, and why people took it so literally, I'm not sure. But, you know, lesson learned. Well, people want a story and I get it. So, you know, it's a story and people, sometimes people want to bury. A lot of people don't like Notre Dame. And I understand. Oh, yeah. We're like Duke basketball. We're like the Yankees. I mean, people like to hate you. We're like the Dallas Cowboys. So I get it, but it's not a story. And I think Brian Kelly is an excellent coach also. Um, when you ask me, what was better this Saturday or this well this past Saturday or this Sunday coming up? Mm -hmm. All right, week, week one of college football or week one NFL. I don't know if this is gonna come off wrong. I don't know, but I'm just telling you how big new feel. I'm taking college football every time. Why? Because I'm a Bills fan, but I'm not a fan of the NFL. Oh. I don't play I don't play fantasy football, so I'm not invested in every team. If Buffalo loses, I won't watch no more football the rest of the weekend. All yeah. right? I'll just watch the highlights, the NFL primetime with Berman and uh, and uh, what's the name? But TJ. I, yeah. And so I will just watch highlights. I probably won't watch another game if we lose. Well, usually on my Sundays, I watch Buffalo at 1 o'clock, and then I listen to uh, the overtime show with Nate Geary. I listen there all the time. Sometimes I listen to uh, uh, Chopin Bulldog, um, mm -hmm. but I really don't prefer them because they hang up on callers, and I'm not really down with that. No, They're you're way too polite for that. Huh? You're, you're way too polite for that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if we really could start beef with them. I don't know, but I'm just being respectful. I just don't really listen to them, but I do listen to uh, Nate Geary in the overtime show. I love that guy. And so, uh, but yeah, going back to what I was saying is I enjoy Saturdays. I enjoy, I will watch, even if Notre Dame loses, I will still watch college football because of the pageantry, the students, their hype is live, and, and you see the atmosphere. You know what I'm saying? I love the atmosphere. You know, and that's why I prefer college over pro. Now, that ain't saying that I don't love our Buffalo Bills. I love the Bills. I will watch every minute of our games. It's just that league-wide, I'll just prefer to watch the highlights. Okay. I have a hard time watching uh, college football games that I'm not vested in or don't have a vested interest in because I find it to move a little bit slowly. And I do find myself watching NFL games where I don't have a rooting interest. Which is it's it's interesting. Mm -hmm. I don't know why, but that's how it goes. Anyway, got a game coming up. I'm excited. You're excited. We're all excited. Playing the Pittsburgh Steelers. Are they going to beat the Steelers again? I think so. I think so too, man. I mean, we we got what a two three game winning streak against them already. Yeah. Uh, most recently, Week 14 matchup last year that we won. 26-15. We all know about how Pittsburgh started off wonderfully. I think they were, what, 11-12-0 and wind yeah. up faltering down the stretch. Um, they had lost one game before playing us, and then once again, we beat them 26-15. Big Ben had 187 yards passing, two TDs and two picks. And their lead rusher was uh, James Conner with uh, 10 carries, uh, I want to say 18 yards. So yeah, he didn't it was next to nothing. Next to nothing, right. Um, we outrushed them 104 yards to 47 yards. And uh, Josh Allen, 238 yards, two TDs, one interception, with almost 30 yards rushing. Zach Moss was the lead rusher with 43 yards, and Singletary had 32 yards. So that's pretty much the tail of the tail. Oh, I'm sorry. I forgot the uh, most important thing. Diggs, 10 catches, 130 yards, and a touchdown. Versus Juju Smith, six catches for 55 yards and a touchdown. Mm -hmm. That's pretty much the tail of the tape of last year's matchup. We only gave up uh, one sack also. Um, and if you look at their roster, Devin Bush was hurt. 
So their first, former first-round pick will be back in the lineup this year. But they lost Bud Dupree in free agency. So mm-hmm. I feel like that's a wash. The Bud Dupree left and went to Tennessee. Okay? That's pretty much the tail of the tape of last year's game. All right? But if you look at this year, they only have one returning starter on their offensive line. Yeah. And how do you replace uh, Ponce and DeCastro? All right? I think we're going to get after them when it comes to that. And their offensive line was not great last year. And this year, this year is going to be difficult on Roethlisberger. You saw last year that they designed a lot of very short throws for him. And even in the short throws, he seemed to be rushing a lot of them. The story with Pittsburgh last year was the same every week. The offensive line would let guys through. Roethlisberger would throw too soon. His receivers wouldn't be ready. And then they'd be walking back to the huddle and Roethlisberger would be yelling at them for not being ready. It's like, come on, guys, get on the same page here. That's only going to get worse. And we saw them kind of fall apart toward the end of last season. I don't see where the improvement in them has come for this year. I don't think it's going to be a cakewalk because they still have quality players. They still have a quarterback who is past his prime for sure, but... He's still, he's still a smart player. You know, you don't just, you don't go from great to terrible. There's a process of getting you there. He's in that process. So I totally agree. I just think with Mike Tomlin, I would never count him out. I feel like he's one of the better coaches in the league. He always has his team prepared and ready to play and they're going to fight. They're similar to us. They're the still city, you know, tough people, grinded out type city. So you never can count them out. And then, also, we were number 28 in the league versus the run, all right, which is mm-hmm. not good. So hopefully we can improve on that, but now we might have we might be taking a hit because Star, I don't know if you saw the news today that Starla Tulele didn't practice today as of Tuesday afternoon. Not good. You know, and we were banking on him to help, you know, sure up the run defense. So if he don't play, not saying we're – not going to improve. I feel like it's different adjustments we can make, but we were all banking on him to uh, shore up that middle against the run. And then they they drafted Najee Harris out of Alabama, first round pick. So it's going he's going to be a lot harder to tackle than James Conner. I tell you that. Mm-hmm. We will talk about Star Lutalele's potential replacement in the lineup. Horrible Harrison Phillips later in the show. But what do you make? A former Buffalo Bill cast-off, Deontay Thompson being a starter in Pittsburgh. Not much. Did you know he led the league in drops last season and the majority of his drops were within five yards of the line of scrimmage? Are you serious? Yeah. (laughs) I just saw that and I'm like, well, we have to bring that up in the show because people are going to look at it and be like, how can you cut a guy that ends up starting for another team? Well, okay, yes, you typically don't want to do that. I'm pretty comfortable with where the Bills are with their receivers right now. Right. Well, I when I look at the depth chart, I mean, they had Chase Claypool, Juju Smith, Schuster. So I'm banking on them getting the majority of the work there. And, right. yes, he is the third receiver as a starter. Um, also, they have former uh, Buffalo Bill Ray Ray McLeod, right? Back in the Yes, month. they do. You know what I'm saying? So, I don't know. That that really doesn't bother me. If he goes off for 100 yards against us, then it'll bother me. But mm-hmm. I think he's just going to be a guy. Yeah, I think so, too. I, I think so, too. So, for the Bills to be successful, what do you think it's going to take on Sunday? I think it's going to take us to run the football. Running, huh? Point, point blank period, yeah. It's – it's more of a situation where you want to be able to run the football when you want to. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Not just, you know, when you want to, when you have to, but we have to be able to apply pressure and apply our will at the line of scrimmage. So that's what I'm going to be looking for the most. Mm-hmm. I'm not really worried about our passing game. I mean, they have a great defensive secondary as we do. So I think that'll be one of the I think Josh Allen's going to outplay him. I want to see us be able to run the football. I want to know that on Sunday. I'm with you on that. It's the place that the Bills seemed to take a step back last season. And had they had they been able to run the ball 
as well as they had in seasons past, I think you would have seen even better team than what you saw last year at 13 and three. I, I think that they would have been able to ice games far more comfortably and you wouldn't have seen those ridiculous comebacks like the ones the Rams had against the Bills where if the Bills just took the air out of the ball and kept running it, the Rams wouldn't have had a chance in that game. And that's why you need to be able to run the ball. You got to control the clock. You got to keep the other team team's offense off the field. And I know that a lot of Bills fans are Notre Dame fans, so excuse me for continuing making Notre Dame references. But that <laughs> happened this weekend versus Florida State. In the uh, third quarter, we went up uh, 18 points, but we couldn't run the football to milk the clock down and win the game. So we kept throwing the football. We threw it well. We uh, Jack Horn threw for almost 400 yards and four touchdowns. Okay, so we threw the ball well, but in the fourth quarter, when we kept three and out, three and out, three and out, that gave Florida State chance to come back and tie the game. So that's how important running the football is. We have to be able to establish that. Mm-hmm. Amen. Okay, so when we talk about what's going to happen in the game, we can't also have that discussion without talking about the rest of the season and the key players who are going to make that happen. So last year, we saw Josh Allen take a huge step forward. In fact, it was gargantuan. Very few players in NFL history have ever made that much of an improvement one year to the next. But we've also seen it in the past with guys like Jordan Phillips, who came to the Bills, who was, you know, an emotional leader. He made some plays and then all of a sudden he has nine and a half sacks out of nowhere after having like two and a half sacks his entire career up to that point. So who are some players or at least one player who you think is going to have a major breakout for the Bills this year and make a name for himself? We already kind of touched on it, and I'm going to talk about it a little bit more. Devin Singletary. Oh. I don't know if it's more breakout or is me as a fan like, oh, my God, please, Lord, baby Jesus, please have a breakout year. But we need him to be who we thought we was when we drafted him. It's it's time for him to go ahead and make the step up. And I think he he will. Um, from every, Once again, we've talked about it in the offseason. For everything we're hearing, that he's in better shape now, he's healthy. And if any indication of the preseason has anything to do with it, I think he will. Now, we always said we don't put a lot of stock, win or lose, on preseason. But I think that's a force. I think sometimes when good stuff happens in preseason, you tend to hold on to it. According to Bill's Wire, Pro Football Focus graded Devin Singletary as a top running back during the preseason. He graded mm-hmm. out as a, almost a 91%. All right? And that's league-wide? Yes. Mm-hmm. And so, if this is the case, okay, if he could carry that, in the, and once again, we talked about how I was like, why is he starting in the preseason? So that made me think that maybe he's on the uh, he's on the trading block. Maybe we're trying to showcase him to trade before the deadline. Well, we kept him, and right now he's our number one running back. And also, I guess it didn't hurt that Zach Moss has been hurt during the preseason, so that gave him extra right. carries. All right. But we did see a little elusiveness. We did see some explosiveness. A lot of it was versus twos, twos and threes. So mm-hmm. we got to take that into account. But the explosiveness that we see on tape, all right, hopefully that transitions when you go against number ones. And once again, if line play better, he runs better, that, that all encompasses our running game being better. It does. Now, do you worry about – Zach Moss taking carries away from him. Well, I think it's one of those situations where Singletary has to keep Zach Moss on the bench. Mm-hmm. He's going to get first dibs. And that's why, I mean, all you, not just NFL, but go all the way down to youth sports. I tell my kids, when they're playing youth sports, my daughter's in high school now, you have to keep that person that's nipping on your heels. You keep them on the bench. If you're starting, you're getting the first option. So – you got it. Your performance is going to keep them on the bench. If you don't perform, then why not go to the bench mm-hmm. and see what the other guy got? Yeah, that's. I mean, that's a great point. And they drafted Zach Moss because I think that they expected him to be a better player. He's bigger. He's slightly faster. He may not be quite as shifty, but he's a shifty guy. Um, 
you know, last season, it seemed like there were points that Zach Moss was the better back, but Singletary looked like he had a confidence to him in this preseason that he didn't have last year. And he mm-hmm. did look good. Mm-hmm. So I got a breakup performer for you. Okay. This is a guy who played last year, but was coming off of an injury. Harrison Phillips. If you recall, back in the 2019 season, he made the team and within about a month started taking snaps away from Star Lutulele to the point where he was out-snapping Star. And it was like, oh boy, did the Bills really find themselves a, a nice jewel in the draft there? Well, then he proceeds to get hurt. Mm-hmm. And that ACL seemed to last him well into last year. He did not seem to have the strength that he had the season before. The explosiveness was gone. And last year, he looked like a liability to the point that it just it just didn't look like he was going to be able to maintain his spot on the roster. In fact, he was the popular choice amongst a lot of people to get cut because the Bills have a lot of good defensive linemen this year. Well, lo and behold, preseason comes around. He absolutely dominated he was Pro Football Focus's top-rated defensive lineman this preseason. Well, that tells me something. He's not going to be making splashy plays. He's a one-technique defensive tackle. His job is to take up space and take on blockers. Take on blockers, don't give ground. You don't see that in statutes. You don't see the sack numbers. You don't see a, a lot of those big plays, but... I think he is going to pick up where he left off before the injury, and you're going to see a very good Harrison Phillips on the field this year. That is my breakup performer. Okay. Now, I agree with what you're saying, but let me play devil's advocate real quick. Sure. If you feel like Harrison Phillips was so good in the preseason, why is he number three on the depth chart at the one technique? Behind Starla Tula Lele. Latula Lele and Vernon Butler. Vernon Butler, by nature, is a three technique. And I think that uh, the reason you're seeing um, the reason you're seeing Phillips in the, as a third string right now is he's coming off of an injury. So they dropped him on the depth chart until he's um, going to be healthy. But yeah, at the end of the preseason, he was uh, he was injured. Okay. That's fair. I I actually expect them to be a healthy scratch for week one. Okay. All right. That's fair. They'll come around. Vernon Butler doesn't belong playing the one technique. In fact, I'm surprised Vernon Butler made the team at all. <laughs> That's fair. So, you know, it's when I was thinking about breakup performers. I had a couple of guys in mind. I thought maybe Zach Moss. And then I was like, hey, what about Levi Wallace? And then I was like, no, no. The only things you can be guaranteed in this life are death, taxes, Levi Wallace starting at CB2 for the Bills, and then people <laughs> chirping away about trying to replace him in the offseason. But then it doesn't happen. Yeah, Levi Wallace is listed on the depth chart at the number two corner. I got a question for you real quick. Did yeah. you see – did Josh Norman sign this past week with the um, 49ers? I did see that. How do you – what's your hot take on that? Do you have a thought about that? Um, I, Norman has passed his prime. He served a served a purpose for the Bills last year as depth, but you saw that when he was starting, if he ever had to play any man-to-man coverage at all, he was a liability. His hands are still good. You saw a couple of nice interceptions by him. Uh, but – yeah, I, I don't think they're getting. I don't think they're getting a tremendous player. He's a depth option. So, do you feel better with Levi Wallace as I two versus Josh Norman? Yes, absolutely. And I did last year as well. Okay. All right. I just wish that they had more depth because I'm not comfortable with Dane Jackson yet. Okay, that's fair. So. Who are who is a player that you have in mind that you think really needs to step it up this year? It's like a make or break season for him. Well, I have a list. Okay. 
and once again, if you listen to the Jamie D. Big News show through the offseason, you get the tones and the uh, of what we're talking about with these guys because we mentioned them throughout the summer. I think Dawson Knox, Cody Ford, and Oliver, those are the three that come to my mind. And so when we were getting ready for the show, we were thinking, okay, who's the people who might regress this year? And I was like, instead of talking, trying to predict who's going to regress, let's talk about who's do or die. Meaning, I think these three players, if they don't perform well this year, they probably won't be on our roster next year. Yeah, and I'm glad we're talking about it this way because, you know, what is regression? Um, if Josh Allen doesn't put up the numbers or win total that he did last year, Technically, it's a regression, but it doesn't mean he's bad. It doesn't mean he had a bad season. It just wasn't as otherworldly as last year was. And, you know, you can't you can't expect players to continuously get better every season. Sometimes they have, you know, up and down games, up and down seasons. It happens. But do or die, that's a whole different story. Right. I think Dawson Knox, it, it surprised a lot of people, not just in Buffalo, but on the national stage that we didn't go after uh, someone else, preferably the kid out of uh, Philadelphia. I mean, I thought that we were going to make that trade all the way into like yesterday. Mm-hmm. You know, let's get that. Let's get Josh Allen everything he needs. So it's almost impossible for him to make that regression. But we didn't. So we're not at practice every day. Only thing we see is the highlights. And then we see what we did in the preseason. I don't know if Dawson Knox is going to be what we need him to be this year. Okay. But once again, we can hide that by going four or five receipt four, four or five receiver sets. Okay. But so let's break it down. What is it about his game that you're not sure of? We know he's an athlete, but is he somebody who you're sure that you could throw him the ball and he's going to actually catch it? He has no. he has timely drops, okay, and we saw it in the preseason. It ain't a whole lot. We're not saying that the kid drops everything you throw to him, but is it gonna be that timely drop? We need a third and long, and we got to keep the uh, chains moving. And I'm not sure he's that kind of guy. We know he has a lot of potential. We know he can be dynamic, but he is he's gonna be steady enough. It's like when I talk about Ryan Fitzpatrick. Ryan Fitzpatrick at times looked like he's an all-pro quarterback. But mm-hmm. is he consistently that? No, he's not. But the fact that he's dynamic enough to look that good at times, that's why he's been in the league so long. So with Dawson Knox, two years ago, he led the league in drop percentage. He dropped 26% of the balls that came his direction. That is ghastly. That That's like a horrible, horrible number. But he improved it tremendously last year to a 10% drop rate. So he improved by over 50%. Still, that puts him amongst the leaders in drops. And they all talked about him uh, attending the, uh, the the tight end academy. And mm-hmm. then he shows up to preseason games and drops the ball. Right. And so, yeah, and also he saw a sports psychologist during the offseason mm-hmm. uh, for hand-eye coordination. He's not a tremendous blocker. He's good. He's not great. But he's got to squeeze the ball. He's got to become, at minimum, a reliable player. Or he's going to start losing playing time to Tommy Sweeney and uh, maybe even Reggie Gilliam. I totally agree, man. And it comes to a point where it goes from, oh, man, your potential to we got to just, like, either poop or get off the pot. Like, we got to move on. And right. once again, I'm I'm a, I'm steadfast in saying this is our window right here. This is our window. The next two years, and I'm gonna keep saying this at nauseum, that we need. This is our Super Bowl run right now. Because once Josh mm-hmm. Allen's um, contract kicks in in two years, then we're gonna be behind the eight ball and trying to be able to bring in talent. Mm-hmm. So if you're able to go out and make that trade and get somebody, Zach Ertz. Zach Ertz. Thank you. If you're able to go out and get him, then you bring him in to try to make that position better. I don't know if Tommy Sweeney, and I hope so. I mean, and once again, he can improve and become that dynamic player, and everybody's going to be like, yeah, Big New, you were wrong. That that can happen, and I pray to God that it happens. 
Right. I just don't know if Tommy Sweeney's going to be a person that's going to be able to push um, Dawson Knox. You see what I'm saying? Like, I don't think mm-hmm. he's going to be the person that, like, like we just talked about, like with Moss. I feel like Moss is going to push Singletary. Like, Singletary yes. better bring his A game or Moss is going to – I don't know if Sweeney's going to be that person. We were hoping that um, Hollister was going to be that person when we brought him in to push Dawson Knox for playing time, but he didn't make the team somehow. So I, I hope he gets better. I, I pray he does for our sake. Um, but I just think it's one of those situations where if he don't, if he don't get better, if he continue with the drops, is that still the storyline? He won't be here in 2022. Mm-hmm. I agree with you on Cody Ford. Uh, I think that Dawson Knox, even if he doesn't take a big step forward, will probably be back with the team next year. I don't think that about Cody Ford. I think that if Cody Ford plays abysmally this year, they're probably going to move on from him because they have given him every single opportunity to succeed, and he hasn't capitalized. They have moved him to three different positions. They have uh, they've started him. They've benched him. They've dealt with his injuries, and he keeps coming back, and even in the preseason, there were so many passing plays where it looked like he was turning to run and chase the guy he was supposed to be blocking. If you're an offensive lineman and what you're do, if what you're doing is running after the guy you're supposed to block and all you can see is, is the back of his jersey, you've done something wrong if it's a pass play. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you, you are really out of position on that one. Um, there's been a lot of that with Cody Ford, and I, I'm worried that he's never going to be any better than mediocre at the top of his game and straight out bad at the bottom of his game. And the Bills need better than that on the offensive line. They need more stability, and that could very well end up being their Achilles heel this season is not opening up holes for the running game and making Josh Allen leave the pocket too soon. We should have named this podcast. If you don't bring it, the second guy's gonna come in. We <laughs> this should have been the name of this podcast because you hit the nail on the head, and I'm gonna go a step further. If Cody Ford doesn't show that he's the guy early on, I think Ike Bunninger is gonna take his spot before you know it. Yeah, I think I don't even think he's. I don't even think he's gonna let. I think his his uh, leash is so short that. I think Ike Buckinger will be the starting right guard uh, before the end of the year if he doesn't, if Cody Ford doesn't perform. Now, do, I think, do you think that they'll rotate them uh, throughout games to start the season? I, I think that could happen. I yeah. think that could happen. I mean, because it was a competition, man. So if it's like what and what, Cody Ford, once again, if Cody Ford wasn't a high draft pick, then it wouldn't even be rotating. The only reason why he's getting rotated is because he was a high drive pick. Mm-hmm. You know, if if he was just a fifth, sixth round pick or whatever the case, then it would he wouldn't even be in a lot of it. Maybe not even made the team. But you, totally. the higher your draft status, the more opportunities you're going to get in this league. Because I understand you got to understand it's 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 kind of like politics. Remember Quentin Spain, right? So. Quentin Spain gets into it with coaches because he knew he should have been starting over Cody Ford, but Cody Ford is politics involved. All right. Mm-hmm. So if the GM, if you're his guy, if you don't make it, then that's look bad on him. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So he's going to give you every opportunity, and that's politics involved. And we would like to think that no man, sports is all pure. The best guy plays and they're they're not playing for money. They're playing because they love it. And, and man, no, no, they don't. And I and that's one thing I think I can bring to this show. I, once again, I've been in the locker rooms. I can say that emphatically that it's a lot of politics to get played. And so this is one of the things. And I and I don't want to talk about our bills, but that's just the truth. You well, know? you know, I, I told you that I used to work for the Rochester Red Wings minor league baseball team. And the general manager at the time was Joe Altabelli, who was a major league baseball manager. He managed the Orioles to a World Series, as a matter of fact. And one day I was having a conversation with him and I said, so, Joe, I'm, I'm wondering, um, 
Yeah. When you're a manager, how often does the front office meddle in your lineup and tell you, you got to play this guy, you can't play that guy, and on and on and on? And he gave a very a very politically correct answer, but the, the gist of it was, hey, look, you always have a boss and you got to listen to your boss. Um, so, you know, he's... He was savvy and had dealt with the media throughout his career. And, you know, he wasn't going to um, he wasn't going to divulge secrets to, you know, some like college age intern. But, you know, that was his way of saying, yeah, there's politics out there. You got to do it, whether you like it or not. And yeah, that was certainly the case with Quentin Spain. You know, shut your mouth. He would have kept a job. But, you know, he ended up in Cincinnati where he became a starter. He's considered to not be one of their better players. Right. Why the Bills decided to pay him $5 million a year on a three-year extension, I'm not sure. Right. And, and and I agree with that. Don't get me wrong. It ain't like I'm acting like I'm a know-it-all. Maybe no, it was one course. of those situations where – maybe it was one of those situations where, Quentin Spain, you're not good enough to cause a fuss. All right, we're going to send you to Cincinnati, and you probably right. won't be that good. But we could probably agree that <clears throat> Quentin Spain – at that point was better than Cody four from what we saw. Yes. Yeah. It, it looked like it for sure. <laughs> you know, it yeah. looked like it for sure. But if you're not that much better than the guy who's taking your spot, you really can't say too much. Right. You got to be quiet and you got to be a good soldier. So, I mean, I understand that. And once again, we're just reading tea leaves. I mean, I've, I've never been in the bills locker room. So, and we don't know people, but from what we see, I would think that that was a situation. Um, so moving on to the next player, you said it's do or die. I disagree. Tell me why Ed Oliver is in a make or break season. All right. So just like we talked about, he was a high draft pick sooner or, no, sooner or later, we're going to have to decide, or is he going to be with us long-term? All right. The fifth year option. Uh-huh. Right. So we need to make a decision of, uh, of him. From what we've seen thus far, do you think as a first-round draft pick, this is a guy we want to keep long-term? Now, once again, we're not talking about if he improves this year. If he improves, then so be it. But I'm talking about what you've seen so far. Is he in a situation where you would pick up his option and want him here long-term? From what I've seen so far, two things. Number one, I think he's better than he gets credit for. I think he's far more disruptive and stout at the line of scrimmage than his numbers show. So not a lot of flashy plays, but at the same time, I would like to see him be a bit more productive. At this point, I would be very torn on giving him his fifth-year option. I would probably lean toward no, but that's only because the salary cap situation is pretty frightening for the Bills right now. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, that Josh Allen, that Josh Allen contract makes it very difficult to hand out a lot of fifth-year option type contracts. So I don't know what that dollar amount will come in on. I would imagine it's going to be somewhere in the uh, thirteen to fifteen million dollar range, and I don't think he's a thirteen million dollar player right now. Right. It, I do think he's an eight million dollar player. Well, that's what we talk about. I mean, you're going to be the casualty of the cap. And mm-hmm. so even if it was a situation where we loved him, we're going to, once again, we're going to keep talking about this as we move forward the next couple of years, we're going to lose good players because we can't afford to, uh, we can't afford to keep them. Right. And they might be able to go make more money elsewhere. All right. Unless they just want to take a hometown discount, play with a good team. I like it here. And maybe he does. He's an outdoorsy guy. He rides horses and stuff. Maybe he rides he likes practice. It, you know? <laughs> so maybe he he one of those guys that likes it in Buffalo. He'll take a discount because he wants to stay on a good team in Buffalo. That could happen. But mm-hmm. as a first-round pick, a high-draft pick, I would imagine that we're looking at him as a situation where you got to make more plays. Is that it? Finish more plays? Or is there more to it? I think it's more. He, you got to make more plays. You're a first round pick. We need you to be an impact player. That's why. That's why you're a first round draft choice. <laughs> right. You have to be an impact player. I think with a real one technique tackle next to him, 
I think we're going to see a step forward. He seemed to take a step backward last year. I think we're going to see him take that step back again this season. I think we're going to see a better NLL route than we saw last year. Well, what if, all right, so let's just look at the game this weekend. Well, Star doesn't play this weekend. So if Star, let's say Star doesn't play. Let's just, you know, play devil's advocate, think the worst. He doesn't play. Vernon Butler's in the starting lineup. Yeah, probably would be because Phillips was gimpy at the end of the season mm-hmm. or end of the preseason. So now we, we're not going to be able to see that. No, not in week one. Was, yeah, week one. So that's not something we'll be able to see this week. Right. You, The way you would draw it up is it doesn't matter who is playing next to any of your players, that they would be, they would be able to stand on their own accord. And on their own merit, a first round pick. I, w- I would agree with that if you say a first round pick. Okay. Like Tredavious White, I need you to be an imp- you are a first rounder. I need you to be an impact player, no matter what scheme you're in. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tremaine Edmonds, we moved up to get you. I need you to be an impact player. Yeah, I need you to not get blocked 15 yards down the field. Yeah, yeah. But we were hoping once again, Star not being there. We we're hoping to see a better uh, Tremaine Edmonds. Mm-hmm. You know. We need Matt Milano to stay healthy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we need you on the field, okay? Hmm. So. Yeah. So it sounds to me like uh could be a make or break season for the training staff too. Yeah. I mean, you dodge injuries and dodge of COVID. The Bills have been incredibly healthy the past couple of seasons. That has to that luck has to end at some point. And it seems like that's happening in the preseason. There's a lot of bumps and bruises, a lot more than they seem to have last year. Mm-hmm. I got a question for you. Yeah. Our good friend, Gregory, mm-hmm. DC Bill Backers, our, our president, he commented on a post. Somebody had posted and then he put it on our page. And it got me to thinking and I retweeted it. Tyrod Taylor got named the starter this weekend for the Houston uh, Texans. Mm-hmm. We played them week four, I think, so in a mm-hmm. couple of weeks because of the whole Deshaun Watson fiasco, whatever. Um, I was hearing that they was going to bring in Cam Newton, whatever. So, old reliable, Tyrod Taylor, okay, pops up again as the starting quarterback in the league. <laughs> Question, riddle me this. If he's still the starting quarterback week four, because I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen to Deshaun. I look at it as a week-to-week thing. When they come to Buffalo, what is your reaction when they announce the lineup? And what do you think Bill's mafia reaction will be? Do you think he will get a standing ovation or you think people are going to boo him? I don't think people are going to boo him. Bills fans are intelligent, and Bills fans know that Tyrod was a good soldier. He never complained, even though he was given some very raw deals. He was benched for Peterman. That was terrible. Uh, I would have did it. (laughs) He was forced to take a pay cut. Um, He was basically never treated like he was going to be the starter, but you never heard a word from him. He went out there, he competed, he was a consummate professional after he was benched and then put back in, despite Peterman being amongst the worst quarterbacks ever, as he proved in that one half of football. Um, he, He played hard, the Bills had some success with him, and I think Bills fans are going to look at that. He didn't leave in any sort of acrimonious way, he never said anything negative about Buffalo, he just went out there, did his job. That's the kind of guy who you cheer for. You say, thank you for helping us break the uh, break the drought, and good luck. Hope you do well. Well, I, I, I interrupted you. I'm sorry, but I'm going to go back. I, when you talk about Nathan Peterman, and we're gonna, this is going to live in infamy, that I would have took Tyrod out too and put Nathan Peterman in. When we benched him, I, we were tired of it. I don't know if you remember that, but sure. we were tired of it. And I wanted to just see something different, even though we were having a winning season. 
And it came to head when we played Jacksonville and lost to them, what? 10-3, 7-3, whatever it was. The guy didn't throw, he didn't throw between the numbers and he didn't throw the ball inbounds. Right. So it was a situation where I I love Tyrod because he was our quarterback when we broke the drought. All right. And so for that, he will live in our our history. And I respect that. Okay. So if I was at the game, I'm not going to probably go to that game. But if I did, I would stand up and applaud him. But mm-hmm. I am so happy we have Josh Allen now. Oh, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. So, I, I, I'm not debating letting him go. I was definitely, right. you know, there, there's there's a very low ceiling when he's your quarterback. But you know what? This is not a Willis McGahee situation, you know, where Willis McGahee was a good player with the Bills, but he got run out of town because he was flapping his mouth, saying stupid things. Right. Yeah, that's a guy you boo. Right. I, um, I, I understand that difference. I agree. Same right. with Marshawn Lynch. Marshawn Lynch is probably the same, even though I like Marshawn Lynch. He's right. a good guy. I like him. But, He's funny, but I get it. I understand why, as a fan base, we would boo. But I'm, I would treat Tyrod like I would treat Fitz. When, when the Washington football team comes to Buffalo, I would applaud Fitz. I would give him a standing ovation. I would give him just like I would give Tyrod one. I think – I, I would go even farther with Fitz because he has been extremely outspoken about his affinity for Buffalo and right. his time there. I mean, he's been very, very vocal about it. Right. So I, he's he has himself undoubtedly a standing ovation. And please, listeners, hashtag bring Fitz home. Let's <laughs> let's make this happen in the offseason. The Bills are going to need a backup quarterback. We know that the Washington football team is not going to re-sign him because no team ever brings him back for multiple seasons anymore. Hashtag bring Fitz home. I really want Ryan Fitzpatrick to be the Bills' backup QB next year. So you, he he always speaks about how Buffalo and the Bills mafia is the best fan base. For he he goes to different teams and still gushes about the Bills. Yeah. All right, so I understand that that would endear him to the fans. But as far as what he did on the field, do you take Tyrod's career or do you take Fitz's career here? Oh, man, that's a toughie. Ooh, I hit you. Um, I'm hitting you with some haymakers today. I know. It's game week, man. I got to step it up a little bit. Um, Here's why I'll take Fitz. Because with him, it's just more exciting. There's more highs and lows. Um, Tyrod was, he could do some amazing things with his legs, but he was going to throw the ball out of bounds. He was going to take care of the football, but it was going to go out of bounds. And, you know, there just, he wasn't going to take any chances at all, which is, I think, the way he was coached. But it's not as exciting as a guy who's just slinging it all over the place and you don't know whether it's going to be a touchdown or an interception on any given play. Okay. So you feel like it was funner to watch Fitz. Just a generally more entertaining player. Yeah. Though- and also he was he was skilled with the media and always a good interview. Okay. All right. I'm going to take Tyrod. I feel like I've been arguing with this with uh, some of my friends who said we need to put respect on Tyrod's name. Mm-hmm. Tyrod is the best quarterback we had, in my opinion, since Doug Flutie. So, you think he was better than Bledsoe? Oh, you killing me! I forgot Ooh. about Bledsoe. <laughs> All right, so you can say the best is Bledsoe. The best is Bledsoe. All right, I can take that because Bledsoe was right after. Well, we got to go back and look at that. I'm not even going to try to attempt this. No, that was after Flutie and Rob Johnson. Yeah, I know it was after Flutie, but I don't know if it was there people in between. I know Flutie relie- relieved Rob Johnson. Um, and then that goes to show you, remember, we talking about politics and football. That should have been Flutie's job, but they jerked him around for Rob Johnson, right. in my opinion. But I digress. So, Rob Johnson got hurt. Um, Alex Van Pelt came in and played. They signed Alex Van Pelt to both an extension and a raise, and then very shortly after that traded for Bledsoe. Okay. Well, definitely Bledsoe. So the last 20-some years, okay, 
Tyrod is one of our better quarterbacks. Yeah, for sure. Right. And we could we could you know debate one two definitely Bledsoe then Tyrod, but and then maybe Fitz and then it's everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, but any of those guys, I will give I will stand up and get an ovation to. All right. Yeah. You know, because he did. He was a Pro Bowl. He made a Pro Bowl with us. And then he led us to a playoff game after many years of not seeing the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Going on almost 20 years. So I Simply for that. I, I think the guy deserves an ovation. Yeah. I do. I would tip my hat and for him and take a sip of beer. Cheers to him. Yeah. So, so briefly, guess who I got a DM from? Who? Sal Capaccio. What? Yeah. How did how did that happen? I asked him a question and he he responded to me. Oh wow, he's a great. So guy, it, it wasn't unsolicited, but he oh, man, he's just as nice via messages as he is like on the air. He's a cool dude, man. I tell you, man. I'm like, how did yeah. the heck that happen? If anything between me and you, he should have been DM me first. He should have. You guys have hung out. <laughs> I'm jealous. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> I'm joking. So, you got a prediction for the game on Sunday? Man, when it comes to points, not really. I just I feel like we're going to win. The uh, spread is six and a half at this point. Hopefully, it stays the same. We don't have any energies going into the game. I think we'll put up 30-plus points. We'll hold, we'll hold them to about two touchdowns. So, if you twist my arm, I'll say – 31-14. Okay. I was going to say uh, I was going to say 34-26. Ooh, a little closer. Okay. A little closer. All right. Sounds good. Uh, hey, man. It's been a pleasure, and I cannot wait to watch this game, man. Week one of the NFL, man. It's going to be fun. So, uh, before we go, man, praying for the East Coast and all the lives that we lost. Uh, this past week with all the uh, flooding that came out of anywhere, nowhere. So praying for those people along the East Coast. And last, last but not least, don't go out there eating horse peels. And the, uh, some of you people that was out there drinking bleach and stuff for COVID, don't start eating those uh, horse peels. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a song, buddy. <laughs> <laughs>